0: and welcome back to Pass the Salt. This is our third Advent episode. Three out of four. There's only one left and that one, will maybe, maybe it'll be the last episode of 2021. TBD, to be determined, okay? So what we're doing for today in the last two episodes is talking about Everything that has to do with Christmas, you know, the reindeer, the sleigh, real tree, fake tree, um, all of the above. Just kidding. There's more to Christmas and you've probably figured it out. You've figured it out. It is Jesus. So we're talking about Advent and Advent is literally just a season of waiting, of waiting for the Messiah and for us today is waiting for the celebration of the arrival of God's very presence in human form in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Emmanuel, God with us here on earth. And his life was perfect and blameless and it is what we follow as Christians. And so there's so much that we celebrate and remember and treasure at Christmas and Advent is the anticipation of all of the above. So we've had different themes and we have not been going along with the correct church calendar of themes um, because we're salt and light. And um, we can do whatever we want, question mark. We're not a church, so we can. Um, So today we're talking about joy. I got the joy, joy, joy. Okay, I'm sorry. I got too carried away i really love joy i love talking about joy i love being joyful i'm not always good at it i think people who know me think i'm a super duper joyful person and i am a lot of the time but it's not always um my first feeling and my go-to and i'm sure that that's something you can relate to joy is sometimes a struggle. So we're going to talk about it, but I hope that this is an episode that lifts your spirits and just puts some new thoughts about joy in your mind. Last week we talked about love and the little devotional that that I got to share with you all um, has been convicting me a ton. I don't know if it's convicted you. I got some sweet messages of others who were convicted in a good way by it. Um, And that's really cool to hear that, that the Lord's using this you know, salt (laughs) and passing it along, but I hope that we can be just thinking new things about joy after our time together today. So before we dive into some scripture and a little Advent Devo, I wanted to, (laughs) I'm excited I can't even talk, I wanted to tell you some Christmas jokes. No Christmas games today. You've heard enough Christmas games. I'm sure maybe I will share some next week, but today let's hear some Christmas jokes. We're gonna pass the salt on jokes and then we're gonna pass the salt on Jesus. Jokes first. Ready? Here we go. All right, so here are some Christmas jokes. I do want to just quickly pencil Pencil? Circle back. I'd like to circle back to what I said in the beginning. Are you someone who enjoys a real Christmas tree from the earth, cut down and put in your home, or a fake Christmas tree from, like, Home Depot or Lowe's or Community Aid? Michaels, TJ Maxx, all of the above. Um, When we post about this on Instagram, you guys should... Comment. Real tree or fake tree, that's all you have to say. Cause I'm curious. Okay. I like a fake tree. How do you wash your hands over the holiday? With sanitizer. <laughs> By the way, you guys can use these. Take them, write them down, memorize them, share them at all your Christmas parties coming up. Um why is Santa afraid of getting stuck in a chimney? He has claustrophobia. <laughs> what do elves learn in school? The elf alphabet. <laughs> That's a good one. What's the best Christmas present? A broken drum. You can't beat it. <laughs> um oh, this one's easy. It's a it's a giveaway. What kind of music do elves like to listen to? Rap. Um, dee deeky do. What do snowmen eat for breakfast? Frosted flakes. (laughs) Um, what happened to the elf who stole a calendar? He got twelve months. Get it? What is a Christmas tree's least favorite month? September. (laughs) Okay, just a few more because this is actually getting ridiculous what is Santa's favorite kind of candy Jolly Ranchers fun fact my last name is Rogers and I think it'd be funny if we my husband and I were to name a child Jolly like the Jolly Roger (coughs) what how much did Santa's sleigh cost it was on the house (laughs) okay here's some knock knock ones and then for real I'm done Knock knock. Who's there? Yah. Yahoo! Oh my, someone's really excited about Christmas. (laughs) Knock knock. Who's there? Olive. Olive who? Olive the reindeer used to laugh and call him names. Oh, this one's nice. Knock knock. Who's there? Oh, Chris. Oh, Chris who? Oh, Christmas tree. Oh, Christmas tree. Okay, last one. Oh, these are all names. Okay, well, I'll quickly do the names for you. Knock, knock. Who's there? Luke. Luke who? Luke at all those presents. (laughs) Knock, knock. Who's there? Wayne. Wayne who? Wayne in a manger. That, That one was a bit of a stretch. Knock, knock. Who's there? Howard. Howard who? Howard, you like to go caroling with me? Knock, knock. Who's there? Harry. Harry who? Harry, open up. Harry, open and... Hurry <sighs> up and open your gift. <laughs> oh, boy. Knock, knock. Who's there? Anna. Anna who? Anna Partridge in a pear tree. That one's pretty good. It does lack diction. Knock, knock. Who's there? Dexter. Dexter who? Dexter Halls with boughs of holly. Oh, boy. I know. I'm cringing more than you are knock knock who's there merry merry who merry christmas knock knock who's there justin justin who justin time to help decorate knock knock who's there avery avery who avery merry christmas and a happy new year Ugh. god i hate myself knock knock who's there snow snow who snow time to waste is christmas is coming (sighs) knock knock who's there donut donut who donut open until Christmas (sighs) well hopefully you feel joyful I feel a little strange that was that now we're going to have a devotional about joy which will probably be better than those jokes but honestly at this point no promises let's pass the salt To be honest with you, I've never been someone who is crazy about New Year's resolutions. I've tried them in the past and I can't really think of any in the last, you know, lifetime I've just lived that um, have ever stuck. So, or that I've ever even really tried wholeheartedly. I think It's neat that a new year begins. To be honest, I just got the hang of writing 2021 instead of 2020, so I'm a little bit bummed. Like, I just got the hang of it this month, December, and I keep thinking that it's still 2020. I'm sure I'm not alone because 2020 was weird and so was 2021, and chances are 2022 will be strange as well. So I'm a little bummed that I have to get used to now writing two zero two two. That doesn't sound real, um, but near's resolutions I've never super fond of. I don't really have a profound reason why. I'm just that's just an opinion of mine. Take it with a grain of salt, as we pass the salt. But that being said, I think it would be cool if we collectively listening and. Moi talking, took a moment to think back on the last year, on the last almost 365 days since the beginning of 2021, and think about some moments where you felt what you would consider to be joy, and in just a minute, I'm going to talk about the difference between happiness and joy. They're very closely related and my armchair theory of why they're different may or may not resonate with you, but I'm going to share it with you. And after I share that definition, we might think of some different examples than what comes to mind right now. But however you would think of joy, however it speaks to you, however you define it, can you think of a couple of moments in the last year where you felt joy? Let's think of the top three and I'm going to think of them right now too with you real time. So it's going to be quiet for a moment for you to think and then we're going to continue talking. Okay, did you think of some times where you felt joy this this year? Was it easy? Was it hard for you to think of them? Um, did some come right away? Was it a struggle? <laughs> um, you know, I think sometimes this is an important thing to do, to take the few moments here and there, not just at the end of the calendar year, And to think back on the highs and the lows, but today we're talking about joy, so we're not going to sit here and ponder the moments where we didn't feel joy, because that would not be um, pretty helpful to this Advent um, focus of joy. But thinking about those moments, and just as you replay those top three and you think back to what was happening, who were you with, what was going on in your life that felt joyful, where was Jesus in it? Was it a time that God was in the middle of? Was it a time where, gosh, I felt joy, but I didn't really consider how God might have been involved? Um, This joyful moment I'm thinking of is something that God, I feel, brought. Or, you know, I, I knew that God directly created this joyful moment, whatever it is, but inviting Jesus to be a part of that reflection and that look back could be really... I don't know, beautiful for you. So consider where and how and what and when and all of those things. um, Consider how Jesus was a part of that joy for you. So I told you that I would tell you the difference between happiness and joy. And like I said, (laughs) it might not be perfect. So Advent, like I've mentioned earlier, is a time of waiting for Jesus. And it's a time of Uh, joyful anticipation of celebrating the birth and the life of Christ, our Lord, our Messiah, the one who we take our cues from, the one who we follow, the one who we choose to live our life modeled after. And joy goes hand in hand with Jesus because, to me, the difference between happiness and joy is this. Happiness is a feeling, it's a sensation, it's this um, emotion, right, that we can experience. Oh, I feel happy. That song was happy. It brought up happiness in me. That's a happy memory. That's a happy movie. Those jokes that Chris told a few minutes ago were pretty darn happy. Um, so that's happiness. But joy according to scripture, is a gift from God. And not that happiness isn't. You know how like in school you learned that a square is a square, but a square also fits the requirements of a rectangle, but a rectangle doesn't fit the requirements of a square? Oh gosh, someone might tell me that I'm wrong or I have it backwards. Math was seriously not my strong suit. I had a math tutor, the same one from third grade till I graduated high school. And then I got a D minus in math in college. So lucky for me, I didn't have to take math in grad school. All of that to say, I'm sorry if I got that wrong, but I'm pretty sure that there's a rule like that, or that is the rule. It's sort of like that with happiness and joy, because I think happiness is a gift from God too. Like when you feel happy or you have a happy moment or a happy memory, like, Sure, that is a blessing and that's a gift that God gives us. But joy can also be a feeling too. Joy brings about happiness. But joy is this tangible gift that we see throughout Scripture that the Lord gives. And it's in the same category as other gifts. Like sometimes God gives people the gift of wisdom or the gift of discernment or the gift to preach or the gift to teach the gift to show mercy to someone the gift to be hospitable the gift to um, be a good listener the gift to to pray well for other people like there's all these different things that the Holy Spirit gives us graciously bestows upon us and um, joy is one of those things and each gift that God gives us in scripture has a purpose. It's not just, here you go, like, here's the gift of preaching, and have fun preaching to your hairbrush in the mirror. Like, no, that that's a great gift, and God wouldn't waste it on a hairbrush in the mirror. Um, it's the same with joy. It's a wonderful gift from God, and oftentimes, there's a reason and even when jesus talks about joy and we're going to look at some of those examples um there's a because following it oftentimes in scripture we see joy is given to someone and there's a very specific reason why and the first instance that we're going to look at comes from one of my all-time favorite books of the bible and that is in the old testament it's the book of nehemiah so Nehemiah's story is really interesting. It's also told in the book of Ezra, which are both in the Old Testament. Nehemiah basically was this person who got called to do something totally out of his comfort zone and totally out of his like knowledge, and that was to rebuild an entire city. And not just physically rebuild it because that was uh, the major component of it. And he was not an architect or a builder. Um, but also to rebuild like the community and to rebuild the the people and their jobs and their like everything. It'd be like someone going to like a, a town that has been completely destroyed physically and financially and emotionally and in every every way you can think of, and someone steps in and says, I'm going to rebuild this, and everybody joins in, and that's what happened. Nehemiah was someone who got the whole town involved, and it's really neat when you read the book, because you can see how Nehemiah like, assigned everyone different tasks, and Nehemiah's account of his experience doing this rebuilding for the Lord in the book of Nehemiah is Really, really, really cool and beautiful to read because you see his like sincerity and his genuineness and his joy and his eagerness to do something good for the Lord. And I see a lot of parallels between the work that Nehemiah did and the work that Jesus did. Jesus didn't physically with bricks and concrete and, you know, wood rebuild a town. But Jesus did build up the kingdom of God. And Jesus said that the kingdom of God is at hand. And Jesus did build up communities and bring people together. And Jesus assigned people to really specific tasks, especially to his disciples who he sent out two by two. Um, I think it was like 72 total people that he sent out to go house to house and tell the good news that the Messiah was real, the Messiah was alive, and that Messiah was like presently preaching and doing all these wonderful things and to be hospitable and show hope to people. He empowered the disciples to have the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about that next week. And he empowered the disciples to go out and to continue the work that he did. And he rebuilt this whole faith. He rebuilt people's belief in God and their trust in the Lord, and he rebuilt the way that people lived out their faith, it was just a total reconstruction. And that's what Nehemiah did too. So Nehemiah was sort of a forerunner in a way for what Jesus did. And the interesting thing is that during all of the work that Nehemiah was doing, there was a group of people who were watching what he was doing and were very, very Upset and judgmental, and put him down, and even did some like mean things to try and delay his work and throw his work off schedule and try and destroy it completely. And these people just were not for him. Maybe that is something you can relate to—just feeling like the world's against you, and you're trying to do something right, you're trying to do something good, and you keep hitting a brick wall. You keep coming up against people working against you or you keep coming up against dead ends or wrong turns and disappointment. Um, I know that when I was church planting, I felt some similarities to Nehemiah, just in the fact that I was trying to do community work and trying to build up something new. And there were not a lot of naysayers to the work that my team and I were doing, but there were some. And in fact, the first Sunday that we launched, that we were doing a Sunday service at our church plant, someone had taped a letter to the door. They didn't sign their name, and it was not a nice letter, a really, really, really mean letter. (laughs) I still have it, actually. I found it when we moved in the spring, and it just kind of made me chuckle, like, man, someone took the time in blue ink too, which sort of was a pet peeve, took the time to sit down and write out this letter to me and to my team and tape it to the door so that anyone walking in would see it and it was just like completely demeaning our work and all this stuff. And I'm, I i do not know who did it and I honestly don't have guesses as to who did it, but, um, I wouldn't be surprised if it was maybe someone who would label themselves as a Christian, just based on some of the things that the letter said. It's interesting, because that was supposed to be a really joyful day. And it was, by the way. And I woke up that morning feeling so excited. Something that we had worked for for two years was finally happening. And it was just thrilling and I walk I lived right next door so I walked over to work I walked to the church the sun was rising it was warm it was September and there is that letter taped to the door and for a minute a split second it felt like all the joy was sucked out of me like 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 it's just completely ripped out from underneath me and suddenly I was thinking to myself, well, this completely taints the day. Is someone going to show up here and be mean? Is someone going to go further than a letter? Are people not going to come? Did the person who said these mean things spread them to other people? Is someone working against us? Um, it, it did start a bit of a spiral downward <laughs> um, mentally of thoughts. And for a moment, my joy was stolen However, I had wonderful people who were on my team, and my husband was one of them, and he pulled me into the kitchen of the church, and he was like, hey, this letter, it doesn't matter. He was like, you can read it all you want tomorrow, but today, it's not going to steal your joy. It's not. It doesn't have the power to do that. And I, now I'll never forget that conversation with him. I definitely just paraphrased it because Dylan's a little bit... He says things differently than that, but that's the message that I took from it. And similar things happened to Nehemiah. And Nehemiah was addressing these griefs and these, um, these feelings that we have sometimes when we're disappointed and when we're discouraged. And he's addressing those feelings, and he's addressing when things and people work against the good work that you're doing He's addressing all of this to the people that were part of his team, that were part of his community, that were on his side. And um, he said to them a pretty famous scripture. He said, um, Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So, man, that verse has a lot packed into it, because what Nehemiah is saying is that joy that comes from the Lord—so not just happiness, but that gift of joy that we talked about—it's purpose is to strengthen us. Its purpose is not just to give us a happy, glowy, warm, good feeling, which it—I mean—it does feel good to have joy, but the gift that comes from the Lord that strengthens us that equips us to not be grieving when we have work to do and we have good work ahead of us the gift that equips and builds us up and encourages us is joy which is really cool this idea that joy can strengthen us that the gift of joy is some is one that equips us and builds us up and gives us strength that we need that comes directly from the Lord. it's kind of talked about more by Jesus himself. He says in John fifteen, after sharing a a, a wide ver- a variety of things to his disciples, he says, these things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be made full, which is really cool because and I I hate when I use a word too much, and I think I'm using the word joy too much because I'm excited about joy. Um, When we look up John 15, which I'm going to do right now um, as we're talking so we can see some of those things that Jesus was talking about with his disciples. He was giving them this message talking about how he's the vine and we are the branches off the vine and that in order to be fruitful branches of the vine we must remain in Jesus. Jesus said if you remain in me and I in you you will bear much fruit. Apart from me you can do nothing. And then he says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. So what Jesus is telling us to do in this passage in John 15 is to remain in him. And that when we remain in him, we are as close as branches are to a vine off of a tree. That is how close we are when we remain in Jesus. And when we remain in him, we're not just empty branches off of a vine, but we're fruitful. And we are producing things and and making and adding and contributing good to the world. And that stuff takes a lot of hard work. And those things that Jesus has called us to do, this command to love one another as Jesus loved us, that greater love has no one than this, but to lay down one's life for one's friends, that, that work that Jesus calls us to is really, really hard work. And the only way to do it, the only way to have the strength to do it, is found in the joy that Jesus gives us, the joy to do it. The gift of joy is talked about by Jesus in another way too, not just as something graciously given to us by God to strengthen us and equip us for the tasks at hand, for the good works that he has called us to. But joy is also the reward for when we chase after Jesus and when we chase after God. The prize is pure, pure joy it says in hebrews fixing our eyes on jesus the author and perfecter of faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of god dying on the cross does not sound joyful to me and it seems like any other word could replace joy there and for the brutality set before him endured the cross and for the horrible pain set before him endured the cross but And he, by the way, no one knows exactly who wrote Hebrews. Please no one, like, come at me. But I once had a professor who said some people hypothesized that Jesus could have written the book of Hebrews um, secretly in the third person. I don't know if that's true. I'm just, uh, don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> but if that is true, that's really, really neat. But it says, Uh, Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. Because what was the reward for dying on the cross and rising again? It was the joy of loving you and me. It was the joy of knowing you and me. The joy of redeeming and forgiving and unconditionally, forever, eternally loving you and me. That was the joy set before him. Joy was the reward for that work. It says in John 16, Jesus says, Truly I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will be turned into joy. Similar to what Nehemiah says, do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is our strength. So the message here is not that grieving is wrong, if that's something that you're going through right now, but that a gift from God through the good times and the bad times is joy. And not only is it a gift that strengthens us and equips us and builds us up, but it also is a reward for some of the the good things and the hard work that we're doing. We receive joy on the other side of that, Um, unspeakable joy. And It's a really fine line trying to draw the difference between happiness and joy because they do overlap so much. But this Advent season, this week from now until next Monday when we talk about peace, I would encourage you and I'd encourage myself to consider incorporating this gift of joy into our everyday. Is this something that, and here's some questions for you and and I is this something that we need to be diligently asking the Lord for like Lord can you give me your joy not as the world gives and not just surface level happiness but I want to feel the joy of the Lord today maybe it's I have a really hard time serving my family and and being joyful around the house or being joyful in certain instances around the holidays or around certain people. Lord, would you please fill me with your joy that strengthens and that equips and that prepares me and that makes me able to do these things that I'm not inclined to enjoy. Lord, would you give me joy as I have a difficult conversation this week, like the kind that will equip me and strengthen me. Lord, I want to feel your joy at some of the darkest times of the day and to be blunt with you guys I know that that's something I need to work on this year has brought up a lot of goodness it's also brought up a new um a a newfound issue of anxiety for me and for me that's nighttime it's it's uh usually around 8 p.m 9 p.m that's when anxiety kicks in for me and I have wonderful doctor who has helped me and a lot of wonderful friends who've I've been able to confide in about it and I think one of my challenges this week will be seeking the joy of the Lord in the evenings when that's a dark low time for me and so my prayer needs to become because it hasn't been my prayer I'm thinking this out loud as I'm talking my prayer needs to become Lord I want to feel your joy as I Uh, face these hours that are usually troubling for me. Lord, will you fill me with your joy? The joy of the Lord is my strength. Maybe just saying that alone every day this week is something we need to do. All of this to say, the greatest gift of joy came to us in a manger. The greatest gift of joy came to us in the form of Jesus starting his life here on earth as a baby. And growing up and dying and rising again, all of that was the joy set before him. You are his joy. I'm his joy. It's crazy to wrap our minds around. But this Christmas season, when we are so joyfully celebrating um, Jesus, like Jesus is joyfully celebrating the fact that he got to begin his journey that led to you knowing him. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's wild. The Bible says that when one person comes to the Lord, and this is what Jesus says in the book of John, that the angels rejoice in heaven. When one person comes to the Lord. Is that a challenge for you to bring someone to the Lord and introduce someone to the Jesus that you know, that you follow? Will angels rejoice because of it? Yeah. Do you need to give the angels a reason to rejoice? I don't know. I'm going on a tangent about joy. (laughs) But there is joy surrounding you, um, and there is joy available to you this week. And there's joy worth celebrating this Christmas, even if it's really hard to acknowledge it or see it. There is joy worth celebrating, and that is Jesus. And that is what Jesus has done for you and what Jesus is doing and what Jesus will do. And it's your challenge set before you right now for the next week to seek out that gift of joy and to, you know, to pray that your eyes will be open to the fact that it's already there and that it's already given to you and that you can take advantage of it. So find joy this week that will strengthen you and you find that in your walk with the Lord in your talk with the Lord in your time receiving that gift from the Lord. We love you very much at Salt and Light. And we're excited for a new year around the corner, even though I just said I'm not into it. We are excited for 2022 because there's so many incredible joy-filled things that Salt and Light has up its sleeves. And I'm excited for you guys to be a part of it with us. So join us next week as we talk about peace for our fourth and final installment of our Advent series. And until then, may joy be with you in abundance. And may you actively seek after the joy of the Lord. That is your strength. Be blessed, guys. We love you. Keep passing the salt.